The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. In today's podcast, we are going to look to the future and make some predictions for where we see the AI market going in 2020. In 2019, AI was another really great year for AI. And if you haven't already, we encourage you to listen to our Look Back on 2019 podcast. And we'll be linking that in the show notes as well. But we wanted to spend some time today to really look forward and say, you know, where do we see the market going in 2020? Yeah. And, you know, some of these predictions just kind of roll from what we've seen happen in 2019. So you can be like, okay, well, if you're at this point, it kind of makes sense to say the point will keep going. Well, that's not always the case. So some of these predictions, sometimes things are changing. Oh, yeah. But there are some... That's why they're predictions. That's right. <laughs> Forecasts. And, you know, from the perspective... Our models aren't always correct. Right. And the, from the perspective of machine learning, this is basically predictive analytics. We're basically using past data to predict future trends. So some of these may be pretty obvious. Thank you, Ron. There you one go. of our seven patterns of AI. There you go. So listen to Seven Patterns podcast or attend one of our Seven Patterns webinars that are coming up. Just go to AIToday.live to hear more about that. But you know, one of our predictions that we talked about last year, the things that we saw as a trend that happened last year was the growth of the use of third-party models. That is models created by someone else, not you or not your organization, but some other part of the organization or somebody else that you're going to spend time using. That's because, one, there are not a lot of data scientists. It takes time to train models. But also, some of these third-party models are pretty good and directly applicable. And this is, means that the market is slowly shifting, or not even slowly, but the market is shifting from a production-centric market where we're focusing mostly on building things, you know, starting from when you have nothing, you got to start by building that thing. That makes sense. Everything starts from like creating stuff. But then at some point you have enough of that and the rest of the market says, I want to use that. And so you shift from a production-centric market to a consumption-centric market. And it seems like we're starting to make that turn. And that's one of our big predictions for 2020 is that it's going to be the year that we really focus on model as a service and consuming these third-party models. Right. And so we think that's going to help because as Ron mentioned, not everybody has a team in-house that they can build models on their own. And also for certain companies, you know, why do you need to? If you're a small regional bank and other people have produced models that work, then go ahead and use them. So that's really where we're seeing the market shift. And after talking to some of these companies as well, I think that they're seeing that. And that's what they're predicting that they're going to be doing as well instead of building it in-house. So with that, you know, when you're consuming models that you have not built, you need a place to manage all of this. So adding on to that prediction, we also see machine learning operations or ML ops really start to come to the forefront in 2020. And as companies, like we said, as they want to consume third-party models, or if you know, you're know you in a very large organization and you're producing a lot of models, how is one organization, one small part of your company able to find what other small parts of the company have done? Yeah. So ML ops, the idea of machine learning ops, and some people are calling it AI ops. I think this is kind of an area where there's no specific agreement 
even on the terminology here. Unfortunately, the reason why we use the term MLOps is because AIOps is also being used to refer to using AI for developer operations. So it's like AI-enabled DevOps, and they're calling it AIOps, which is a little uh, problematic. This is what happens when you have a market that's growing and changing. You have terms that come about, and they're kind of fighting for domination. But machine learning operations is exactly what it sounds like, which is basically consuming focused on the model. Mm -hmm. You could even call it model ops, but that's a little weird. So if you think about (laughs) machine learning model operations, it's about discovering models, finding the models that may actually be useful to you. And then, of course, as part of discovery, knowing whether or not this is something you want to use. So the Mm -hmm. idea of the model catalog or the model directory where it has the model, tells you what the data is in the model, various descriptions about how the model is used, the data, the iterations and things like that. Then, of course, model versioning so that you can see how this model is being iterated. And if you're using that model, how your version may be updated over time. And then, of course, aspects of governance, which is who has access to this model, who's responsible for changing it. If you have, if you want your data added to the model, do you edit yourself? Do you can you go back to the source? And that goes hand in hand with the idea of model security, which is basically making sure, of course, access control, but making sure that the models aren't being tainted. There's no issues with somebody taking access, taking the model, and using it in ways that they're not supposed to be using this model. Yeah, and all those things, you know, that's part of the shift to the consumption. Because if I'm starting to use these models, I have all these questions. Obviously, if you build the models, you already know the answers to those questions. You don't need to know what the version is. Well, that internal team does. But say that another team now wants to use it. Yes, Mm -hmm. they can go back to the original team that did Mm -hmm. that. But that's why all these questions and issues and things that you need to consider come into play. So really, at its core, machine learning operations, MLOps, is meant to simplify the usage and consumption of these various models that were either built in-house or built by third parties. And that's why we see this as a trend that we're predicting for 2020. So already there are a few players in this market, but we're predicting that in 2020, we're really going to start to see more and more yeah. companies in yeah, this Yeah, we were space. paying close attention to some of the recent vendor announcements at their big shindigs, you know, Amazon's event, Google's event, Microsoft's event, and the IBM, they all have these big events and we're like, okay, when are they going to be announcing MLOps as part of their feature? It's just a matter of time. It's not even a matter of if, it's right. just a matter of when. You know, in the meantime, we've seen other entrants come into the space that maybe from large companies or maybe in smaller companies building out MLOps. But I think basically for us, our prediction, of course, is 2020 is the year the space blossoms. You know, either we're going to see some large funding announcements these large vendors jumping into the space with their solutions, maybe a couple acquisition activities. That's what's going to happen here. And sort of going back to that previous prediction about model as a service, you know, that's the other thing. We might see a whole new series of companies emerging that are just coming online to offer models by consumption basis, maybe on a pay-per-use basis, mm-hmm. or maybe some of the cloud vendors that we know and love already kind of coming out with their own, you know, model marketplaces, which they probably already have, but like now really starting to think right. about the monetization model there and the usage model there. And so these two things kind of come go hand in hand. The model as a service, mm-hmm. the MLOps, and just and is part of it. And we're hopeful because when you shift to a consumption-centric environment, that means that the market, that the early majority market, that's the group of people who are waiting to make sure that the technology actually is a real thing, they're starting to adopt it. And so it's not just, you know, for example, the big banks, you know, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, they're adopting, or the big insurance companies or the big government agencies or the big, you know, technology companies, the big the manufacturers. The big, 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 right. big, not the medium, not because the Because they're always exploring with new technology. They always have a group doing something new. It's like, oh, you know, some crazy thing. Well, let's put a couple people on it because they can afford to do that. But like the regional bank, the regional manufacturing company, the small government agency, they're not waiting. They're not taking risks. They're saying, well, what's working? I will 
do this when I know that this thing works. When you start shifting to consumption, that's when they're basically voting with their money and their attention saying, okay, I know this thing works. I don't have time to build up that team. I don't have the tech talent. I don't have the data, but I want what they got. Exactly. So give it to me. That's really for us a sign that we may have crossed the chasm. If you're a reader of Jeffrey Moore's book, I'm crossing the chasm. Right. So, you know, like Ron said, they do really go hand in hand. We broke them out as two separate predictions because of what they are, where they are really two separate things, but they do go hand in hand. So we're predicting that we're going to see that come to the forefront in 2020. And we're excited about that. So stay tuned for some of Cognolitica's reports in 2020, where we'll dig into that in more detail. All right. Another thing that we're predicting for 2020. So in 2019, data and the usage of data, responsible, ethical usage of it really started to take hold. You know, users and consumers started to question how their data was being collected and used. And we think that in 2020, responsible and ethical AI is going to continue to be important and continue to be a topic for both companies, governments, and consumers. Yeah. So in our look back in 2019 article, we talked about the fact that the general data protection regulation, GDPR, really entered full force in 2019. It came out in 2018, but basically this is we're now in the enforcement regime for that. So it's 2019, and it was a European Union data privacy regulation, but in effect, it's a de facto worldwide law, given that, you know, if you want to do business in Europe, you're right. going to have to comply with that. And so for people that don't know what GDPR is all about, you know, we encourage you, you can check out their website, but also it really was just to give consumers a little bit more control of their data. So there are certain things in the regulation that companies need to comply with, such as various data-centric regulations, such as the lawful, fair, and transparent processing of personal data, also allowing consumers the right to be forgotten so that if you know they choose to opt out, they can do so, and then the company needs to lose all of their data. So, you know, in theory, the law is very useful and it's helping give consumers a little bit more ownership of their data. But then in practice, how it's used with AI, for example, and, you know, training of models, this starts to get into a gray area that I don't think the lawmakers were fully, you know, expecting or thinking through when the law was created. So we are keeping an eye on that in 2020 because we want to see how that all fleshes out. Exactly. And so, you know, it's going to become increasingly important, especially as people start pushing back on things like facial recognition. Or now you hear news reports about how even algorithms that are used for credit decisions are facing scrutiny. You know, people are going to be like, you know, why did your loan application deny me? Why did the yeah. insurance claim, you know, get rejected? Why am I... Was or my... why was somebody given a different line of credit in the same yeah. household? Yeah, different, different credit limits. You know, limits. a husband well, and a wife got right. different credit limits. Right. That's actually real life. <laughs> yeah. These are all kind of real life. But like, so when people are not, are, are going to push back and that, that all comes down to data and that comes down to how the models are trained. And that comes also down to transparency. So we're keeping a close eye on all those things. Mm -hmm. And we definitely expect in 2020, perhaps some rules and regulations, some laws may come out of either the US or somewhere Different in Europe. Different countries or, as well. You know, you never know, Canada. We have GDPR, but will we have country-specific mm -hmm. laws and regulations? I know that Great Britain before GDPR had some laws in place. And now with Brexit, you know, will what's going to happen there as well. So we just are going to keep an eye on this, monitor it, and continue to update you guys, our listeners, on this as we hear news. So, you know, we got to talk about the market for vendors. <laughs> 
We have to talk about the investment climate because we always do. You're like, well, why do you guys talk about what's happening in venture capital? Well, the reason why we talk about that is one, obviously, because Kathleen and I know quite a lot about what's happening. We spend like all of our time talking to vendors. We track about 3,000 to 6,000 vendors in the marketplace. And if you're interested in more information about that, we encourage you to go to Cognolinica.com, check out our research and our advisory service where we provide unlimited access to our research and our advisory to our clients on what's happening in all these markets. We've categorized and we think the best way possible. So check it out on our Cognolitica vendor classification system. But as part of that, we track what's happening because we only want to follow the companies that are growing. So we track what's happening in the investor climate. Of course, big companies like to swallow up smaller companies and that affects their own product line. Mm -hmm. So we take a very close look at what's happening in that. And we did see a few very notable acquisitions in 2019, such as Fitbit getting acquired by Google and Silance getting acquired by BlackBerry. Silence is an AI cybersecurity company. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are just two of them, but there were a lot of notable acquisitions in 2019. And so it's important to keep abreast of that as well because it helps us give predictions on where we think things are headed. And we talked in our Look Back podcast about the RPA market, robotic process automation market, raising a ton of money. And, you know, in 2019, 2019 in particular. And we talked about how they, they, they may be actually overvalued given the fact that the entire RPA market is not actually worth the total sum of the valuations of even the three or four largest companies in that space. So maybe you know, even uh, the top 10. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Add them all up and you're, you're, at, you're at probably 10 to, to 20 to 30, 40, 50 times the actual expenditure of what's happening in the market. And, you know, that's a factor of the way that the VC investor community works. It doesn't really have a reflection on what's actually happening in the adoption climate. But getting money is important because if you don't get money, you go out of business, you got to get it from your customers or you got to get it from investors. You just got to get it somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's an indication because we saw a lot of companies also going out of business in 2019. And that's kind of a shame for companies who are trying to adopt stuff. In this automation space, we think our big prediction for 2020 is that given all the money that's in the space, given all the attention in the space, and given the late entry of Microsoft, with their UI flows product as part of Power Automate into the RPA space, we think 2020 will be a consolidation year, which means that there will be some acquisition activity. These investors will be looking for return on their investment, mm-hmm. and uh, large companies are going to want to say, oh, Microsoft's in it, we got to be in it too. You know, So will Oracle and SAP and IBM start stepping up? I know SAP's got something and IBM's got something too. But like, you know, will they start, well, they start up? to be big contenders now? Yeah. So we're predicting that in 2020, the RPA market is going to show signs of maturity and possible consolidation. As Ron mentioned, Microsoft has now has, I think in November, mm-hmm. they, it was a very late play yeah, into, the, yep. into the market. How is that going to affect things and shake things out in this space? It's yet to be fully determined, but we will be keeping an eye on that. And so for those reasons, that's why we're predicting that the market is actually going to show signs of maturity and 2020. Yeah, and it's, and it's going to leak into the other areas of AI. And we already saw some consolidation with AI-enabled cybersecurity. We're probably going to see consolidation, more consolidation there. What will happen with other aspects in the image recognition space and mm-hmm. other areas of growth? So it's, we've also it's seen data shake. labeling start to and data labeling and data preparation become really important. We talked about that in our look back at 2019. What tools now are going to start in automatically incorporating that? that Auto the- ML tool platforms already have that. What other tools, though, are going right. to start doing so that? Maybe acquisition on the ML side. We, Figure 8 was actually acquired in this past 2019 by Appen, so that yep. was also consolidation yep. happening there. So, yes, consolidation, which is a sign of maturity, which is a good thing, which mm. means that customers know what they want to buy, and large companies are now willing to take the risk to basically acquire these and satisfy those needs. 
So moving on a little bit here, we know one of the things we did over the past two years is we tracked the voice assistant market. We showed that maybe the smart speakers aren't so smart. We don't like calling them smart speakers anyways. We call them voice assistants for a reason because that's the intent. They're not supposed to just be speakers right? you're talking to them. They're doing something. You don't talk to your regular speaker. Yeah, like in my car or something. Exactly. Talk to your speaker. So My old um, Walkman. <laughs> I think what we have seen is, I would say, this is the area that we've dampened a little bit of our expectations. So there's no doubt that the voice assistant market as a whole is growing. We're not saying there's no slowing to it, right. but it's primarily growing on the consumer side, which may not be a surprise to all of you listeners, right. that it's mostly individual users and consumers and in places where consumer tech is used. So you might see them in refrigerators and cars, but they're not penetrating the enterprise in any sort of large volume like we had anticipated them to and maybe like people may be expecting them to, right? Right. So. Ron mentioned that Cognolytica for the past two years has run a voice assistant benchmark. And so we do that because we wanted to show people just how intelligent these systems are and just what they're capable of right now. So if you haven't, we encourage you to listen to the benchmark podcasts where we go over some of the highlights. But we had in 2019 predicted that the voice assistants were going to gain adoption in the enterprise and actually talking to some of the large providers for voice assistants. I think that that's originally what they had thought as well. But that's not really how it's been playing out. So it's gotten widespread adoption in the consumer market. And I think that that's where a lot of these vendors will be focusing their time and effort in 2020. It's predicted from Comscore, they've predicted, they're a media analytics firm, that by 2020, 50% of all searches will be voice searches. So by 2020, oh yeah, that's basically today. 50% of all searches will be voice searches. That's pretty incredible. What does that mean for that market? How are things going to shake out if one in two searches is done now through voice Mm -hmm. and not through mobile or through your desktop? For those companies that depend on finding their customers through web search, for example, that's the whole SEO search engine optimization market you know, they may actually find this to actually be a threat for them because, Mm -hmm. you know, who's going to be finding some random landscaping service if they go, you know, Alexa, sorry, I hope I'm not triggering your Alexa device right now. You know, Alexa, you know, uh, tell me about landscaping service. Well, Alexa is not going to give you like 20 pages of results. It's going to give you like the top few. And if you're not in those top few, then you're basically invisible. And if customers really are shifting from web-based searches to voice searches, you're going to start losing your new customer audience and that's going to cause some issues. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, this is not the way it's going to be forever. So, and then how do you even get onto those listings? How does Alexa or Google, those they they list, are they just doing a web search? In which case, you got to, is it still web-based or they can start doing some prioritization on the voice and maybe you have to start paying for voice ads. So we think that from that perspective, that part of the market's going to start maturing because if Comscore is correct, then it's going to be harder for these voice assistants to ignore their role as an intermediary in recommending solutions. And they're going to have to probably come up with a business model because they're businesses. Exactly. (laughs) So how are companies going to adapt and change to start becoming relevant in voice searches as well? So in 2020, we're predicting that the consumer usage is only going to grow and companies are going to have to adapt to that. Yeah. Now, as far as predicting Cognolytica's voice assistant benchmark, we're sort of thinking about that we still will say that these voice assistants are not as a whole particularly intelligent. 
And we have a report. We have research. You can go back. You can find our research. You can listen to our podcast. You can actually buy the report online. We have a report you can purchase that has all the details of the voice assistants if you're interested in that level of detail. That's primarily for large enterprises and vendors and technology firms that will care about that. But basically, on the whole, they're not particularly intelligent. They are getting smarter and smarter. And that's because of the power of the knowledge graph which is making be able to do things. Will we keep testing them? That's a question we have up in the air because the question is who cares? So if <laughs> so if you care, then you know, let us know because you know th- because we are tracking it. The primary reason why we're tracking it was because of enterprise adoption. But if enterprises are slowing adoption and you know it's really just a consumer market. Then now. then they're gonna be asking consumer related stuff and it's gonna become basically just a voice gateway to search and a voice gateway to answering trivial questions. I don't say trivial, but it's gonna be more consumer related uh, yeah. than business related questions. Questions. And so, you know, will our voice assistant benchmark no longer be relevant for enterprises? Right, right. So that's something that we're considering. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. We got feedback around both of our mm-hmm. voice assistants. So, you know, please give us feedback as well. But those are our predictions for 2020. AI is just such a hot market. And as we continue to look and see where trends are going, where things are headed, we continue to get excited. And so we hope that you, our listeners, do as well, because that's really why we have this podcast. We want to bring in real-world use cases, how companies, how governments, how different industries are actually using AI now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, demand, we have we run a training course called CPMAI, which is the Cognitive Project Management for AI, CPMAI. It's a methodology for running AI projects. It's based on the way that large enterprises and public sector organizations and technology companies run their AI projects. Of course, the insight from those of you that have been listening to our podcast may not be a secret that it's all based on the data because AI systems, it's not the programming. It's not about functionality. So agile methodology is great. There's nothing wrong with it. And as a matter of fact, CPMAI is itself based on agile and CRISPDM, which is a data-centric methodology. But the insight is that if you simply delivering the functionality doesn't make AI systems work, you have to be managing the data. And there's a methodology for doing it right. We've had significant demand for it. and It's been worldwide. So we've actually been focusing most of our time delivering this training online. So we do a live instructor-led uh, virtual training that is conducted. The next class is coming up soon. But for those of you who are listening, we don't know when you're listening to this. Just, just go to cognolitica.com slash training to find out more insight about the upcoming sessions. We'd love to have you join. And you'll be joining a worldwide cohort of folks from Canada, Australia, of course, all over the US and Europe and India and Australia, and also I probably said that twice, but like Asia, you know, just many places that you'll hear them talking about their very practical implementations of AI that they're doing today. Yes. So we've presented just a few of our predictions for 2020. As always, we'd love to hear what you guys are predicting as well and, you know, where you think that this market is going. So please reach out. You can find more at AIToday.live. Sign up there for a newsletter. That's a way to engage and interact with us and then also see, you know, upcoming webinars that we have around various topics as well. So listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts that we discussed in the show notes, as well as a few of the podcasts that we referenced in today's discussion. And thank you for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. 
We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.